This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we launch into the prophet Micah with The Lord is coming, exile is coming, woe to oppressors, do not preach, and rulers denounced. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendorse.org or on your favorite podcast provider. Lutheran Public Radio Choir with the Advent hymn, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Jesus spends a lot of time in his ministry warning of his second coming in parable and in explicit warnings, he warns us. Put me in mind of a poem by Christina Rossettini in the bleak midwinter. One of its stanzas says, Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed the Lord God Almighty Jesus Christ. There is a big contrast between his first coming and his second coming. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Monday afternoon, December the 4th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary, the second Sunday in Advent. Then we'll talk about conservative arguments against surrogacy with Katie Faust, of the Children's Rights Organization. Then before us, Pastor Michael Salonik will be our guest. We'll discuss responding to the choice argument for abortion. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. He formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study. Produced by Lutheran Public Radio, called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Todd. A joy to be with you. Draw that contrast for us, if you would, between what we prepare to celebrate liturgically here, which is his humble birth, his largely, at least in terms of the world, except for those shepherds, unheralded birth, and when he returns in glory, and no one, no one, even the dead, will miss (laughs) witnessing it. Yeah, no one's going to miss that moment when it comes. I think the the best way to to address what you just asked is to actually just cite from the Lutheran scholar Herbert Lindemann. He he says this Sunday completes the Advent cycle, which is an odd statement for the second Sunday in Advent. But he says the message of the first Sunday was your King is coming, prepare. The proper spoke of his visible coming to Jerusalem in humility and meekness on his way to the cross. This was a picture to us of his constant coming in the word and in the sacraments. Invisible, 
without outward glory and power. The message of the second Sunday is, your king is coming again, and this time visibly and in power and great glory to deliver his own from all evil. It's a message of encouragement and of great hope. So Lindemann sees the first and the second Sundays of Advent presenting something of a contrast there with the second Sunday focusing us clearly on where the whole thing ends. As you pointed out, we've kind of already been where the whole thing ends for the last several weeks in November anyway, as Jesus in the week before his passion continued to hammer home the truths about his second coming. And we've been meditating on those great texts uh, at the end of the church's year. They sort of flow directly into Advent. This Sunday, though, is set aside specifically to give consideration to that great article of the faith, and he shall come again in glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. So it has a name, many Sundays do, and this one is Populus Sion. Yeah, that just kind of confuses me a little bit. It is uh, that literally is people of Zion, but the passage that's being quoted is actually Isaiah 62, verse 11. And so when we sing it in English, it's say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. And Jerome and the Vulgate also had filii, uh, Zion, so it was daughter of Zion. I'm not sure where Populus came from, if that's actually maybe the old Latin form. I've not been able to locate online the old Latin to look that up, but I suspect that might be where it comes from. So either way, the big point is, say to the daughter of the people of Zion, look, your salvation comes. And that what we're looking at here is our salvation, which is coming when Christ appears in glory. The Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard and you shall have gladness of heart. The second coming depicted here on the second Sunday of Advent is held up to the people of God as the fulfillment of their great joys. This is what you've been waiting for. This is what all of history has been longing for, aching for, praying for. And so it moves beyond that antiphon, which is from Isaiah 62, verse 11b, also Isaiah 30, 30, and 29. And then it moves to the words of Psalm 80. Now, the original intro it for the day literally stopped right there. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. That's where it stopped. But in our, our day, we added on some more of the Psalms so that the intro it's are a little longer. So it goes on, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see, but let your man, your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself, praying that God would let his face shine upon us in that moment when Jesus appears in his visible glory as the judge of the living and of the dead and the cry to all of the, the people of Zion, the people who belong to the churches, would you look at this? Your salvation is coming to you right now. And this is going to fill your hearts with overflowing joy. Always, the intro it's for the day set the tone for what's being celebrated on the day. So these passages from Isaiah and from Psalm 80, they definitely help us to see that this is a day of great joy that we're celebrating as we are seeing prophetically held in front of us here by Jesus' own words, his glorious triumphant return, his appearing. 
I am a little intrigued by the one line there, turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. What are we asking God? What are we trying to draw his attention to? To our plight, we as the people of God have experienced in this world so many things that are challenging and difficult and bring tears to our eyes. And when we pray to him, look down from heaven and see, come rescue us. Don't leave us down here alone. Come save us. That's the plea. Yeah, that he would look from heaven and see. And of course, when the Lord Jesus returns in glory, he's going to be looking down from heaven, from the sky. He'll be looking down upon the earth as he gathers his people to him. Take us into the collect for this coming Sunday. This collect actually comes from the old Galician sacramentary, you know, attributed to Pope Galatius, but several centuries after him. And it prays, stir up our hearts, O Lord. So we had stir up the first week, we have stir up the second week, and then in the fourth week, we'll have a stir up as well. So in the Latin, excita, rouse yourself, if you will. So rouse our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son, that by his coming, we may be enabled to serve you with pure minds through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. You know, I think at the time of the Reformation, that was sort of smoothed out just a little bit. The uh, Latin has, you know, something that could be a little misconstrued, that by his coming, we may be made worthy to serve you with pure minds. So that's sort of taken out and just made more simple, that we'd be able to serve you with pure minds by the coming. And that means by his coming to us in grace, in this moment, in now, by his coming in time and his coming to us through the means of grace, he would enable us to be able to serve and serve almost always has that secondary sense of worship him with pure minds to be able to receive the good gifts he's coming to bring us. So we're asking here, God, to make us ready, not as though that has to happen before Christ can come, but that when he comes, we are ready for him. That his coming would actually make us ready to welcome him when he comes again in glory. Yeah, that's the idea. So Sunday morning prepares us for the second coming. Every single Sunday. You know, each of the articles of the creed is present and celebrated every single Lord's Day in the divine service. So, yes, it's true that on Easter, the accent is on that he rose on the third day. And on Good Friday, the accent is on that he was suffered for our sins. And certainly at Christmas, the accent is on that he was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. All that's true. But we never lose this one piece of the creed that's still hanging out there in the future. This returning glory and all of the services of the church are toward that. It even shows up by the orientation of prayer. The early church was quite sure, according to the word of Jesus, that Like the lightning flashes from the east to the west, so the coming of Christ would be from the eastern skies to the west. And so prayer in the church was always oriented toward the east. You face toward the east to pray. That was always a looking forward to where Christ will appear in glory on the last day. We are looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the second Sunday in Advent, working our way toward Luke 21 with the coming of the Son of Man. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is our guest. When we come back, the Old Testament reading from the prophet Malachi.
How can conspiracy theories become a form of idolatry? I've written a column for the latest Issues Etc. journal titled, Yes, Elvis is Dead, But God is in His Heaven, a pastoral response to conspiracy theories. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Julie Stegemeyer writes about her path from Methodism to Lutheranism. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Do you need a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Some place where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. The Faith, Once for All, Delivered to the Saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Vacation Land greets visitors with a sign, the way life should be. Each year, Redeemer Lutheran Church welcomes visitors to participate in the way life should be as it is lived from the means of grace. Another sign bids visitors farewell. Worth a visit, worth a lifetime. Christ's life sacrificed for you was worth it. Whether a visitor or a resident in southern Maine, you will find a home, rest, and forgiveness of sins in Gorham and Sanford, Maine. RedeemerMaine.org Job saw the city as a wasteland, as if devoid of God, witnessing injustice to the poor by the corrupt, lawlessness of criminals, trafficking of children, blatant immorality, thinking God could not see wicked deeds done in the dark of night. Yet God never abandoned Job, nor his city, groaning for mercy. God is working through the living Redeemer, hands etched with salvation, pointing to the resurrection to come. Join us at lcms.org slash citymission to seek peace and shine the light in the city. C is for the heavenly chorus singing in the sky. They told of Jesus' birth and sang glory to God on high. D is for the dreams in which an angel did appear to tell God's people of his plan and bid them not to fear. From the Issues Etc., Book of the Month for December, a children's book, N is for Nativity, Christmas from A to Z, a great gift for a child or godchild or grandchild. Call Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at our website, issuesetc.org. N is for Nativity, is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. We come to the Old Testament reading. It's Malachi 4, the first six verses. Yeah, and let me give you the frame first to think about it before we hear the words. Something that St. Maximus the Great wrote about this passage has stuck in my head for a long time, and that is that the light of the day that's coming, the daylight that is dawning in this, is to the wicked something different than it is to the godly, those who fear the Lord's name. But it's the same light, the same presence that comes upon them both. Said another way, heaven and hell seem to almost be united here in the way they are described because both are the presence of God. But the one is the presence of God experienced apart from grace, apart from the life of Christ, and the other is the presence of God experienced in grace. With that kind of an intro, let me read the words. 
Malachi 4, verses 1 to 6, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and just decrees that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. So you hear there at the beginning that this day is coming with an oven or with a sun, if you will, this bright light and heat that will come. And to the evildoers, the arrogant, the people that would not humble themselves before God, they're going to be, well, set ablaze. <laughs> I still remember when Dr. Maxwell pointed out years ago that perhaps the title ablaze was not a good one to use for a, a stewardship drive in the church when the only place in the ESV that used it used it in this verse for the evildoers being set on fire. So the evildoers are burned up. That's the picture, you know. They experience the presence of God as torture in hell. But the exact same thing is for those who fear his name, a healing moment. The sun of righteousness rises and there is healing in his wings and it sets them leaping, leaping like calves from the stall. Have you ever watched any of that on YouTube? It can be really fun. Maybe you've seen it in person. Have you seen it in person? Oh yeah, I've not. seen it in person. You've seen it in person. I'm not seen it in person, but I've watched the videos on YouTube where the little goats or the calves or whatever, jumping around like in spring, like, like they've gone bananas because they're just so happy to be out in the sun and joyous. That's the picture of the redeemed on that day, that day which shines on them from the radiance of Christ's own face. And as they prepare for that day, God gives them two things to do. Remember the law of my servant Moses. Remember the covenant that I gave with him, the statutes, the just decrees I commanded, the law. And then also remember Elijah the prophet. And we know from the New Testament that this is fulfilled in the ministry of St. John the Baptist who came among us in the spirit of Elijah. And Jesus said, if you can accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. He comes before the great and awesome day of the Lord arrives. That would be the day of the Lord's crucifixion or the day of his resurrection, either one. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, just like happened in Elijah's day when he called the people of Israel to come back from following Baal and to turn back to the Lord. And when they all cried out before him after the great offering there on Mount Carmel, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So a, a beautiful, beautiful passage, but it invites us to think about the day of the Lord that way. I think there's a passage in the New Testament that runs along the same line. If you know 2 Thessalonians 1.10, you have to look at it from the King James. The ESV inserts a word, but then it puts a little footnote to note that they've done that. In the King James, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because, no, that's actually, I think I did one verse off, and I don't have it here in front of me. But when Jesus comes again on that day, it is in the presence of God that from the presence of God that destruction comes. That's what the King James says. I think it must be verse 9 then, 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. It comes from the presence of God. That is, he comes among us 
as the judge of living and the dead. And when you hear living and dead, you can hear that in the way of those who are alive by faith in him and those who are dead because they are apart from him. It doesn't just mean people walking around or people under the ground. It means the people who in God's sight are alive and those who in God's sight are truly dead. They both experience the presence of God, but they experience it in totally different ways. The gradual is from Psalm 50, several verses there. Yeah, Psalm 50, verses 2 and 3, and verse 5 as well. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silent. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. So this proclamation that out of Zion, and the picture of Zion here is the heavenly Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, out of the very inner presence of God, now beauty breaks forth over the whole world. The king shall come when morning dawns and light and beauty brings, as we sing in the hymn. So our God comes, not keeping silent, and his call then when he comes is, get my faithful ones here to me. This is his command to the holy angels. You might remember how Jesus said in Matthew 24, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So his faithful ones, the one who have made covenant with him by sacrifice, that is those who have sheltered beneath the sacrifice of the Lamb of God upon his cross. They're all gathered together to him. The appointed psalm is the first 15 verses of Psalm 50. Yeah, and so that's what we were just hearing parts of, right? That The gradual just uses a smaller bit of that psalm. But what's important for the psalm is that verse 15 is given as the antiphons or the refrain for the psalm. So, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. This is the big cry of the psalm, that the people of God, when they cry out for deliverance, come Lord Jesus, are going to have that prayer answered. They're going to see it answered before their eyes when the Lord appears in his great glory on that last joyous day. Take us into the epistle for this coming Sunday, which is Romans 15, beginning at verse 4. Yeah, the thought is this probably is not a thematic epistle. It's probably not chosen to actually match any of the readings, but was a leftover from the days when the church read the epistles, Lectio Continua, you know, one, just reading your way through the book of Romans. So it still has really great points to make though for the day. Romans 15 verse four, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Psalm 18 verse 49. Again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Deuteronomy 32 verse 43. Leaning on the Hebrew there, not the Greek, which is kind of unusual for Paul. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people extol him, Psalm 117, verse 1. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, 
even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Uh, again, that's Isaiah eleven ten. In him will the Gentiles trust, is what the Septuagint reads there. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Several things to note on that. First of all, this reading sort of becomes the keynote for which the Anglicans in the Book of Common Prayer, Thomas Cranmer, actually composed a new collect for the day, which should be very familiar to any listeners of the word of the Lord endures forever, or actually anybody who's old enough to remember the old page five from TLH, because it's the prayer, blessed Lord, since you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. You can see it's built right out of this epistle reading. It's like, and so in the Anglican tradition, this sort of Sunday became Bible Sunday. It was the Sunday to thank God for the written word, that it was written for our encouragement. And so that we, as the people of God, would be filled with hope. Well, you can see the connection with hope and the connection of the idea of the Lord's second coming. They tie together tightly. All the promises of the Old Testament were centered in that hope, what Jesus would bring with him at his glorious return when he would bring in a kingdom of joy and peace and love and where all the darkness and all the things that make us sad and make us cry and all the things that are death and everything in this world that is bitter and awful, it's going to be gone. It's going to be wiped out. That's the hope that the Old Testament promises held out for us. And that's the hope that the epistle reading says is for you Jews and it's for you Gentiles. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. He is host of the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. We're looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. We will go to the Alleluia verse, which will set the stage for our gospel reading in Luke 21. Please include the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. in your year-end giving. You can donate online at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call 618-223-8385. For a year-end gift of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Over Ruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. Our children are always a blessing to us, but not only are we blessed by them, but we have opportunities to bless them as well. Pastor Christopher Nuttleman, in the December issue of The Lutheran Witness, takes up the topic of blessing your children, how to bless them in your home, with the Word of God and prayer. To learn more, pick up your copy of the December issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe or visit witness.lsms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. 
Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Evangelical and Catholic. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not only does our church need men right now, but the world needs men who will proclaim the gospel in its purity. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Peter Scare, Associate Professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. If when you go to sleep at night you're thinking about it, my experience with it is this, is that thought won't go away. So if you're going to bed at night thinking about following our Lord and becoming a preacher of this gospel, then I would love if you could come and visit Fort Wayne, our campus. We'd love to show you around and show you what it is that we do. Have you ever considered becoming a pastor? Contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana at 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or visit ctsfw.edu. Christ-centered, cross-focused, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. the Priory Singers with the Advent hymn, The King Shall Come. We are looking forward to the second Sunday in Advent, according to the one-year lectionary, with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Take us into the Alleluia verse, which is simply kind of giving us a step into Luke 21, the Gospel reading. Yeah, it's just a teasing taste of what you're about to hear in the Gospel itself. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Then the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. So the thing it lifts up especially is that everything in this created order is going to be shaken. Yet once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. It's going to be shaken. But when everything else is being shaken, one thing is unshakable. And that is the love of Christ, which manifests in that moment for his chosen people as he appears in this great glory, and they see him coming in the clouds, just like Jesus told the people who were putting him to death, right, the high priests, that they would see him. You will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with glory, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So that's exactly what's picked up here. So let's go to Luke 21, verses 25 through 36. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree 
and all the trees, as soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourself and know that the summer is already near. So when these things are taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Beautiful words, but there are a lot of things in there that leave people scratching their heads. So let's see if we can help in any way making sense of the reading. Well, let's start out with the signs yeah. because what he's describing there obviously is kind of a cataclysm. If we watch the powers of the heavens being shaken, that's we consider from our perspective the stars and those celestial bodies to be fixed. fixed. Yes. And they're, they're apparently they're they're not entirely fixed. No. And so when these moments begin to transpire and we see the world that we have taken for granted all around us beginning to crumble, it can be very frightening. And so he says that when this starts to happen, there's going to be a lot of perplexity among the nations of the earth. And they're going to be confused also because our, the sea is going to be roaring, its waves roaring, and everybody's heart's going to be misgiving them as they're afraid of what's coming on the earth. And Luther gives the most beautiful analogy to help us get how to think about this. He says, imagine that you've been captured by a robber baron who took you and locked you up inside of his dungeon. There you are. And one day as you're sitting there in the dungeon, you hear boom, and the plaster starts falling off the wall and boom, and, and, and you look out the window and think, what is going on? What is going on? And you see that your prince has arrived with his army and he is attacking the fortress where you are being held captive to set you free. He's breaking into it to break you out and set you into your own place again. That's the picture of the return of Christ that Luther paints that I think is so beautiful here. So when all these things in this world are beginning to fall down around you, he says, this is not the time for you to start panicking. Now, you guys know the truth. When everything starts to give way, when creation itself starts to experience these cataclysmic changes on every side, this is the time for you to lift up your head and look because your redemption is drawing nigh. Not your destruction, your redemption. That is the Redeemer who paid for all of your sins. He is now coming to set you free once and for all. In that moment, in that very moment, all of the, just as his righteousness has totally covered over all of your sin, in that moment, in a twinkling of an eye, it will obliterate inside of you all sinful desires. They will be gone and you will be transformed. You'll be changed and made new and in fact, made incorruptible in Christ. So that's why when Jesus begins talking about it, Luther says he goes to the, the springtime and the summer. He doesn't take something out of the fall. Like right about now, if you go outside and look, how pretty are the trees? They're ugly. Like, oh, except for maybe the evergreens, which all of a sudden, start, they start to look pretty good this time of the year. But yeah, no, it's, they're, they're ugly out there. And it's, it, it, 
Nobody says, oh, here comes winter. Well, I guess maybe my daughter might say that. She's a little strange. But my my my, my picture is, is, is never one of joy when winter comes. I've heard people say, yeah, you just need to embrace the winter. And I'm like, eh, it's hard to embrace something that's that cold and nasty. So Christ doesn't pull on that. He pulls on the picture of spring and of summer. You know, you see when things start to bud. Think about what goes on inside of your, remember the calves leaping out of the stall? Humans have that too. We get all, all excited when these moments of joy come along, that uh, spring is coming. It springs eternal in our heart and it makes us be filled with joy. Christ says, when you see these things happening, then you know God's summer is about to bust over your head. And so instead of being sad and fearful, you should be filled with joy and eagerly waiting. Stand up and watch. He says, it's going to take place. So he even adds, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Then he adds this mysterious saying, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all has taken place. Now, some people think, well, that just shows that Jesus didn't use his omniscience there. And that generation clearly did pass away and those things did not take place. Well, that's not paying attention to the careful way that the Bible uses the term this generation. Noah has been found righteous to me in this generation. This generation usually refers to the people who have a birth from Adam. The people with their birth from Adam, they are, they are the ones who are this generation. And Jesus says that's going to keep on going on until his glorious return. So I think that's the better way to take it. Another way to take it is this generation refers to the generation when these things begin to take place. In other words, it's not going to be an extended period of time. It's going to happen quickly when it starts to happen. And when you see the earth falling apart all around you, you don't have to wait long. Just lift up your eyes to the eastern skies and watch. There comes the Redeemer. I did want to add the Weimarische Bibelwerk, which was put together under the theological leadership of Johann Gerhardt in the 17th century. It put it like this. The Jews would not be entirely eradicated, but rather scattered and wandering from time to time until the last day comes with these aforementioned signs. So it takes this generation to be the unbelieving generation of the Jews, that that would continue to be the case until the return of Christ in glory. But those words of Christ, which have those various interpretations, and there may be others. I mean, did, is there any other interpretation you've heard that you want to throw in there? Well, I mean, the only one that that I've heard that I think we need to guard against, besides the ones you've mentioned here, mm. is the dispensational view mm. that it's kind of twists something you just said there. You said, famous person was asked, how did you go bankrupt? And he said, well, very slowly and then all at once. <laughs> and so I agree with that this generation refers to the generation when these signs begin to appear. That generation will not pass away. It's going to happen quickly. Right. When it happens. It could take a long time to happen. When it happens, it's going to happen. Yep. But the dispensationalists say, no, that refers to everyone who witnessed either in history or in their lifetimes the great final sign of the founding of the state of Israel. Oh, and, yeah. so, and so the, it's got <laughs> to happen. Even in my book. Yeah. It's, it's got to happen now. Yeah. It's got to happen soon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I, that's just like not even in my purview. I don't even think of it, and I should have. Yeah. No, th- 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 that, that's a really good point. I mean, they have said— and there were books written about it, 1988. It has to be 1988 because the generation's 40 years. And there it is. And 48 was the founding of Israel, and 88, so 88 came and went. Generation. Yeah, and, and now we're we into are. the second generation. 
Yeah. So we got we got to be aware of that kind of thing. And the founding of Israel might have been a, a, a seminal moment for many things, but it hardly fits the description of the shaking of the heavens and the, the entire cosmos. It, it, it doesn't fit that. I also want to focus particularly on what he said afterward. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I mean, if you want to think about the things that could get him crucified, that's one right there. He's saying, you know, all this created order, it's going to go. But the words that I speak to you, they are eternal. They will never go. So when everything is coming to pieces around you, there is a firm place for you to be standing. And that is to be standing on his word. Because if you're standing on his word, you're standing on a rock that's never going to pass away. That is a beautiful place to be when all things start to go. But to make sure that we're standing on the word, he says, but watch yourselves, watch it, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. Now, I got to tell you, I love how Luther rendered dissipation. You want to take a guess? It just blew me away. I have no idea. Fressen. Fressen, which is the German word for eating like pigs, right? I've often been accused that that's how I eat. I, it's all gone. Snarf. Luther says, don't be weighed down with eating like pigs and getting drunk and having all the cares of this life. And then that day comes on you suddenly like a trap because you're so enjoying what's going on here and now. You stop to remember or you fail to remember that this world has an end. And at the end of this world, Jesus will be coming again in glory. So don't let it come on you like a trap because it's going to come on everybody who's alive on the face of the whole earth. And that means everybody because the dead will be raised. It will. Everybody's going to be there on that day. We're all going to see it come. And so Jesus urges, stay awake at all times and pray that you may have strength to escape all these things, these things that would grab hold of you and pull you down into this falling apart world. Have the strength to escape them. Well, there's only one place you're going to get the strength to escape them, and that is in the words of Jesus that abide forever. They, those words, they are what will enable you to stand and really stand before the Son of Man. You'll be able to look at him and rejoice. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this gospel reading, then get into some of the hymns being offered for the second Sunday in Advent according to the one-year lectionary. week on the word of the Lord endures forever, we launch into the prophet Micah with the Lord is coming, exile is coming, woe to oppressors, do not preach, and rulers denounced. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for the word of the Lord endures forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or on your favorite podcast provider. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December uses detailed illustrations and rhyming text to tell the story of Jesus' birth. It's titled, N is for Nativity. This new hardcover children's book is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or learn more about N is for Nativity at issuesetc.org. 
Use the ABCs from Advent to Zion to teach your children and grandchildren the Christmas story with N is for Nativity. Educating a new generation of Lutherans. You're listening to Issues Etc. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're looking toward the second Sunday in Advent, according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon. He hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, you began a study today of the book of Micah. Tell us about it. Yeah, and uh, isn't that ironic? You know, what do we hear in Micah, the first chapter, but that the Lord is coming out of his place and he's going to come down and tread on the high places of the earth and then the mountains will melt before him and the valleys will split open like before the fire, like waters pouring down a steep place as he confronts his people with their rebellions and their sins and comes down to actually save them. It is a great book. I love the book of Micah. Yeah, it's got that famous passage about Bethlehem in it, but it's got so much more. So yeah, give it a listen. Folks, you can listen to Pastor Whedon's daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study at thewordendures.org, the LPR mobile app, or your favorite podcast provider, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. Will, I was thinking about, I don't know who observed this, I just forget. The, the second coming promise of Jesus is very difficult to believe because it just doesn't fit with the course of this world. Jesus even says, people will just think, Everything's going on. Right. It always has. It always has been this way. History's never been interrupted in this way before. But I was wondering about this, that for us in this side of the resurrection, maybe we can understand why the disciples didn't believe Jesus would rise from the dead because it just, it just doesn't happen. happen. Yeah. And so maybe for us, the second coming of Jesus is like the resurrection for them that it's so easy to get lulled into the course of this world and to think that, yeah, of course the sun's going to come up tomorrow because it always comes up tomorrow yep. until Jesus decides to interrupt it. Yeah. I, when we forget that, when we forget the interruptions, we can go really wrong. We always just assume, this is laid out in Second Peter, that we forget the interruptions, we assume things are going to always be the way they've always been as we've always known them. But we then forget that there were many interruptions here. You had the interruption of the flood. You had the interruption of the, uh, the, the deliverance from Egypt. You had the interruption of God actually entering into human flesh and blood. 
in the womb of the Blessed Virgin. This is a huge interruption. And you have a major interruption to death when Jesus enters into death and then busts a hole through it that will never, ever heal ever again. So there is massive uh, interruption that comes before. But again, the temptation is to settle down to the way things are in this world and focus on them and forget about what he's promised. And that's always a mistake. What keeps the promise alive and strong in people's hearts and minds is listening to it in the Word of God. So as people gathered and listened to the Word of God being taught in the synagogue, this hope of the Messiah continued to be taught. I mean, think about it. They're, they're living in an occupied land. They haven't even really been a nation for a very, very long time, century upon century. And they've been conquered by first one people, then another, then another, and yet they listen to God say, and I'm going to make a king for you out of David's house, and he's going to have a kingdom that will never end. And the people hearing it would go, yeah, he's going to do that. The word, which endures forever, actually stirred up in them the faith to hold on to the promise and to expect that God would do the unexpected in his own time and way. And it's just like that for us with the second coming. Let's talk about some of the hymns. We've heard a little bit of two of them. Mm -hmm. The first one, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Yeah, this is Wesley's great hymn, and uh, it it absolutely nails the reading for the day. Just listen to the words. Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending, once for every, or literally Wesley wrote, once for favored sinners, meaning, you know, all of us, we were favored by God and sending His Son. Once for every sinner slain, thousand, thousand saints attending, swell the triumph of His train. Alleluia, Christ the Lord returns to reign. Every eye shall now behold him, robed in glorious majesty. Those who said it not, insult him, pierced and nailed him to the tree, deeply wailing will their true Messiah see. Those dear tokens of his passion, still his dazzling body bears, cause of endless exaltation to his ransom worshipers. With what rapture gaze we on those glorious scars. Think about that. When he comes in glory, you're going to see the wounds in his hands and in his feet. You're going to know that's what he paid for our redemption. So it's such a joyous moment. And then it culminates with the, yea, men, let all adore thee high on thine eternal throne. Savior, take the power and glory. Claim the kingdom as thine own. Alleluia. Thou shalt reign and thou alone. I mean, just nails the gospel reading so beautifully. It proclaims in verse what the gospel reading says in straight prose. And then the other hymn that we heard was The King Shall Come, which is has a, a very similar theme, mm -hmm. but it maybe just in the way it sounds is pretty ominous. It does. It sounds ominous until you hear it all the way through. So listen to this one again. This is a Russian hymn originally, and it was put into English for us. Listen to how it goes. The king shall come when morning dawns and light triumphant breaks, when beauty gilds the eastern hills and life to joy awakes. Not as of old, a little child to bear and fight and die, but crowned with glory like the sun that lights the morning sky. Oh, Brighter than the rising morn when Christ victorious rose and left the lonesome place of death despite the rage of foes. Brighter than that glorious morn shall dawn upon our race. The day when Christ in splendor comes and we shall see his face. The king shall come when morning dawns and light and beauty brings. Hail Christ the Lord, your people pray. Come quickly, king of kings. Just think that's so beautiful. So with about a minute here, how would you summarize the 
message here in the second Sunday in Advent? Well, we Christians are weak as we wait for that day. Our hearts are halved. With part of us, we ache for its joys, and with part of us, we're afraid of them. We've always got to balance our praying of, Thy kingdom come with, forgive us our trespasses. What on earth is going to keep us and get us through? What can help us through these wretchedly divided hearts of ours? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The words of Jesus are your only solid hope. They are rock solid. They are stronger than creation, stronger than earth and heaven. His words will not cease forever. And a life that's built on them is a life that's built securely. And a heart that hopes upon them is a heart that has a sure hope. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. Formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. And he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. When we come back, Katie Faust will join us. We're going to talk about conservative arguments against surrogacy. She's founder and director of the Children's Rights Organization, Them Before Us. Then Pastor Michael Salamink will be our guest. He's author of a chapter in our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled, Answering Arguments Against Christianity. His chapter is titled, Abortion is Just a Woman's Personal Choice. We will respond to the choice argument for abortion. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Repentance and forgiveness, sin and grace, law and gospel, more than cliches, real preaching for real people in need of hearing the real Christ. Christ for you in the divine service at St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, Illinois, where we gather every Saturday night at 6 and on the Lord's Day, Sunday mornings at 7.45 and 10. Look for the Church of the Neon Cross on I-55 between exits 30 and 33. Find us on the web, stpaullutheranchurchhamill.org. St. Paul Lutheran Church of Hamill, where there is the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation for the people of God. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. 
the College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.